You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, and welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry we're late this week. That's very smooth of you. Yeah. I Not only so. are we late... But you lied last week, apparently. I did, I did say we'd be early. early. <laughs> I did say we'd be early, but we happen to be late. But better late than never is uh, our motto. Did you make that up? What? That's genius. I think I'll use that. Better late than never. It's really good. I think my grandma used to say it all the time. So she made it up. Probably. Pre-show discussion? Other than your game you were talking about. We didn't have any today, really. Except let's go, let's go, let's get this done. Let's uh, get this going. And DJ Hero 2 comes out this week. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, oh, yeah, there's that. It's not Saturday, October the 16th. It is Monday, October the 18th. Correct. Monday, October the 18th. Saturday plus two. Monday, October the 18th, 2010. And this is after the show number 143. Um, our horror... Uh, uh-huh. That's not fair now, is it? Now we know. Our Halloween-style movies start Psychological, now. thriller, creepy yeah, I movie still fest. It. I still call it But it isn't. It's not fair if they don't think that. I don't care about them. Anyway, it is the uh, the movie we're looking at this uh, week is a uh, new movie, The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> no. A remake As I was of the original? Say, I was saying earlier that um, the first time I saw The Exorcist was mid-80s, when VHS was the big deal. And uh, we had The Exorcist. It was one of the movies we had, along with the other ones I've mentioned before, The Northville Cemetery Massacre, which nobody has ever heard of, but we had that one. It was about Hell's Angels shooting each other uh, in in a graveyard. And uh, The Wanderers, The Exorcist, and Robocop. Those were um, the ones that we owned and literally got played to death, you know? So The Exorcist, and I was saying how old I feel because... Uh, it's almost 30 years ago, which makes me feel really old. Do you feel old? That you watched a movie that has such an impact yeah. on you, and it was three decades ago. Yeah, it's crazy. So... Do I feel old? Oh, when you think about that? No. I feel old when I put on my reading glasses <laughs> to right. take a splinter out of my foot that I can't see otherwise. Then I feel old, but... No, no, I, I feel like this movie, it's like, it's like right fresh in my mind. It had such an impact on me when I saw it when I was like 12, maybe. You never even saw it? it, I saw it on TV. But I mean, I feel like it had such an impact. It wasn't long ago. It makes me feel like, oh, I remember that feeling like it was right now. So, All right, anyway, the year of release of The Exorcist is 1973. And then the version we just watched, which is called the version you... Version you've never seen. You've never seen, was released in 2000. Um... So yeah, it's a oldish movie, but yeah, we watched the 2000 version. Not that it was filmed in 2000; it was just re-edited. Um, and this Blu-ray release was released on the 5th of October, 2010, which was last week, maybe. Uh, and it's from our friends at Warner Brothers, and it's a Blu-ray deluxe. I think Warner Brothers call them the book editions, where it comes in a little book. Uh, it's like a coffee table book. Um, well, this is the first one I've ever seen where it's a two discs and a book in the middle. Normally, it's just one disc. Um, but yeah, it's a cool book, and we'll go into that a little bit later because it does have some cool stuff in there. Um, 
and I wish all Blu-rays would come packaged in cool books because uh, it makes me... Uh, I just want to read it. I've read it already. This is something we very strongly disagree on, but that, that could be a whole show in and of itself. I just really like it. So, uh, okay, so the movie itself, you're going to tell us what it's about. Oh, my God. Oh, the way to the world. The Exorcist is about... It is a psychological, in my mind, psychological thriller, you know, with a young girl being possessed by the devil, and you have a a psychologist priest who's questioning his faith, a famous actress mother who basically seems to have the world handed to her on a plate, and then this is thrown at them. And what do you think it's about? I just think it's about um, good versus evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, faith versus... Nothingness. Not, no faith. But do you have to believe in that thing to have been there to deal with it? Was my, is my question. And I say no. no. I don't have to believe in God to believe there was a de- demon in that girl. <laughs> that's how mm. I look at it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, well... Let, let, yeah, that's what it's about. Let's move on to the movie, then we can have the Yeah, you can't about summarize this. the no. exercise. All right, so go ahead, moving on to it. I was just going to say that, just on a note from that. I was brought up with a pretty strict Catholic grandmother. We, I lived with my grandmother, who was pretty strict Catholic. Um, so I think The Exorcist, because I had already been... All those Catholic ideas were instilled in me as a boy, right? Yeah. So The Exorcist freaked me out more, I think, because of that. I mean, I mean, I know, I know it's a freak. It's a movie that will freak anybody out, sure. including you, who wasn't a Catholic. No. But when you're a Catholic, and you and the devil and God and all that is kind of, and you see the rosary and you see kissing the thing and the holy water yeah. and the priests are. It really struggling. freaked me out because of all that. And I'm not a practicing Catholic. And pretty much as soon as my grandma left this earth, God bless her soul, <laughs> so to speak. Um, <laughs> I pretty if much it's appropriate, quit. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of kept us into that thing. You know, I went to church twice a day, all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it freaked me out because I had all those ideas pre-installed. If you, yeah, yeah. So you're getting all of our downloadable content, yeah. all of your childhood. Yeah. And me was raised as nothing. We didn't go to church, and we didn't have. I mean. Christmas was about presents and Santa Claus, and Easter was about the Easter Bunny. And yes, of course, I knew it was supposed to be the religious things, but it was just nothing, nothing. So to me, watching it, it, and still to this day, it brings into my mind and into my gut this feeling like there is something inherently bad that can float around in the world, you know, and like poison people. And that's what I think of the demon thing. Not like a literal demon in somebody. But like even when I saw um what's it called? Um is it the Fallen with Denzel Washington where the that spirit thing goes from person to person just to sort of wreak havoc with everybody. John Goodman's in it. There's like the chick who's knows angels and they sing that song to each other when the spirit has gone into that person. I don't remember. You don't remember that one? I think it was The Fallen. But that one does... This, I mean, it's not a great movie, but that does the same thing to me. That there's something... I don't know. That can possess people. It may not be a spirit, but something bad. And I remember watching it on TV when I was a kid. And it just... 
freaked me out. And to be honest, it was the same as me being afraid of aliens coming to get me. The devil was the same kind of thing, like this fictional but terrible, scary thing. I do and remember. Um, it freaked me out, but I loved it. That made me, I believe, hungry for more. And then I really started watching horror movies when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. I do and remember I, watching it and not being able to go upstairs without the light on. Oh. Like, I, like I would generally at night time leg it up the stairs without the light on to go to my bedroom. You know, on the stairs itself. Um, and I, it literally affected me in that way. I had to put the light on, and any kind of weird creaks and bangs freaked me out. Oh, like, like this movie preys, you know. Yeah, of course. The house makes weird noises, etc. At the beginning, that kind of stuff is so. It, it, when you're a kid, it was like, oh my god, something's coming, or you know, it really. And I didn't. Me. I didn't have any of that. It didn't scare me. I mean, it didn't scare me like that. It, it scared, scared me the shit out of me in my mind as I would think about it, but it didn't make me. Afraid afraid of anything like creaks and knocks and stuff it did me and it's also is another thing that it planted in my mind about this uh, the exorcist is i don't think i'd ever want to watch it on my own just sit and watch it for some entertainment one night it's still kind of it's got that kind of effect like, that's interesting it's really unnerving that explains another thing like a difference in us because you'll say, like, you'll hear a little knock or a creak or a pop somewhere in the house, and you're like, "What was that? What was that?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? I don't even know. I, maybe I heard it. I didn't. Nothing freaks me out like that. Nothing. I could hear a pound on the door downstairs, and I would think, eh, whatever. I mean, I don't really react to that. So it tells you when I was a kid, it didn't freak me out like that. It crawled in my mind. Set both for me though. So that's that why people it's doing crazy, you know, like so. Yeah, yeah." So yeah, this um, version that we watched, we had actually not seen before. This was there's two discs in this set. One's the original theatrical cut. One's the 2000 version. The version you've uh, have not seen. Version you've not seen. Version you've never seen. But now we can't call it that because we have seen it. Yeah. All right. The version we just saw. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd never seen this version. I'm not going to say it's the better version because I just think it's a different version because I do say, like the original version. I'm going to say it's better. But I think the original version, and I've seen the original version a lot over the years, um, this one, it's the true meaning. Like, when you do see a director's cut, which is actually what they call it here, the extended director's cut, when you, the true meaning of a director's cut is, like, filling in the story, um, extra things that mean something, in my opinion, not just, like, here's a thing of somebody walking down a street that can go back in and make yeah, yeah. it longer. Yeah. Actually... Deleted scenes that work in the movie still, and they don't seem out of place. And I feel that this whole 2000 version, none of it feels out of place. It feels like it was supposed to be there. Yeah, the totally. And I disagree. I think it's totally better because it really builds. Slower. See, I I don't see it as better. I see it as another, like, because I love the theatrical. Also, I mean, I don't feel like that it ruined the theatrical. I can never see the theatrical no, no. again. I feel like, though, I even think when I've seen it in the past, I always feel that feeling like it's, it's oh, no, 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 we're getting too close. We're getting too close to the I, end. I believe the original. And this one really gives you, I didn't feel that, because there's new stuff, and because it's, Let it's me... actually filling in more about the girl, the process that's happening. It isn't just, oh my god, there's a problem, oh my god, she's Satan. You know what I mean? Oh my god, she's Satan, listen to me. Oh my goodness, she's Satan. 
this movie shows you like the process she has to go through in the real world for everybody to figure out that this isn't a mental thing. This isn't a physical. We just we throw our hands up. We don't know. But in the original, it's just clear cut. Something's wrong. Okay, we did one doctor visit. Boom, we need a psychiatrist priest. You know, it's precisely ten minutes longer. Um, Is that all? Yeah. Oh, man, it feels so much more powerful than that. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. The ten minutes feels... I mean, it doesn't feel like it makes it super long and boring. No, it's so substantial. It makes... For me, because of all... And I could... I actually, interestingly enough, have seen this movie so much... Most directors' cuts, even if I've seen the movie, I'm always struggling to know what the new parts are. Like this one, because I'm so familiar with it, I was like, "Oh my god, I've never seen that! I've never seen that whole interaction." Scenes that were like three or four. Or yeah, five like minutes. that whole scene talking. Like there's a couple of them that stuck out. The the whole scene where she's talking to the doctor and he tells her about a swear. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's like. It's that very 70s style, matter of fact, like you said, like documentary. Just yeah. sl- watching two people talk, but it. You understand the characters more. I mean, the mother especially. The kind it, of yes. shit she's going through. Exactly. You feel like, okay, now I get it. Like, yeah. before it's just like, let's get to the chase. Let's get to the part where it, the shit hits the fan. Whereas this one, you even if it's only ten minutes, that's amazing. That I feel like it's so much more explained. I feel so much more invested in the girl, even before, I've never really cared, to be very honest. I wasn't that into the girl. I always thought she was a little bit whiny and a little bit goofy in the little scenes that we'd seen. And in this one, just by the process of the pain she's dealing with, with all these men, doctor men, obviously we have all men, this whole sort of bureaucratic world of how to fix you if something's wrong with you, and she's sort of the victim of it because they... They don't they'd really know. They're and prodder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just looking for something. Yeah, and that really, really added to it for me. By the time then we're getting to her being all lesioned up and shit, I'm like, damn, this girl, you know, it wasn't just like she woke up one day like this. It was a slow... And the things with the crab thing and the blood and the crucifix and the, all that stuff I'd never seen all put together. So, because I only had ever seen the TV version and then we watched it once on DVD but it wasn't this, so... I mean, that did have the crucifix part. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the other thing I did notice about this longer version is I also had more of a connection to Karras, the priest, um, because they unveiled his story more at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. With, like, a... I mean, yes, they do cover his mother, but not quite as in-depth as the way they do it in this longer version. Because um, that is a whole plot thread that he... Like, even um, Reagan says to him, like, you just let your mother die. I don't remember any of that. I've seen all that stuff. All of it. No, it's it's extended. Um, Especially the part where he um, goes to talk to her on the bridge. That's way longer. Longer, right. Yeah, yeah. And and the the part where the detective's watching him and says, yeah. looks like that, that's longer yeah. too. But I feel like he's got more screen time, so it's not just like... He comes and... He, he comes, this, she says, how'd you get an, how'd you go about having an exorcist? And then he's, like, turning up to do an Yeah, exorcist. yeah, yeah, I get it. It's more like, oh, yeah, I understand. I get this guy, he's done this, he's struggling with this mother thing, and he's struggling with his faith, too, talking to the other priest. Um, so, yeah, it, I, can't, I can't believe it's only ten minutes. I cared about him more than anybody else, really. Yeah. I mean, I cared I, about the mother, 
Because it was like, ugh, it was torture. I mean, and yes, you should care about him. Yeah. Because he's like the... I see him as like almost the main character, even though he's not in it all the time. I mean, he's the... He's like the backbone. Well, he's the battle. Yeah. Inside of him is truly the battle of belief and not belief and, you know... Also, the scenes in um, Iraq at the beginning were extended slightly. Now, I always forget about that completely when I watch it. Oh, every time I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot how this. In the original, um, how it starts is um, in this new version. It starts with uh, people in Georgetown just walking on the street um, and just a, a scene of stuff going on. Then it cuts to Iraq. Well, in the original, it starts on that sunset. Yeah. And you don't ever see that beginning. That just one scene. And that kind of changed it for me. It's yeah, like, it did too. Okay, we've got two places. Like, you know. Um, so even just that one, like, five second thing was... Uh, I was like, wow, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, that whole Iraq thing at the beginning is kind of extended. But I don't feel I got anything extra from that. No. Because it was almost like... There was, like, some lingering shots of walls when he was and then a big scene it was of him. a little overly symbolic for me that yeah. part a very filmmaker indulgent kind of a thing like people someone who's researched these symbols and the the deep meaning of evil and these little iconic thing that he digs up and stuff I felt it was a little bit I always have but that's probably why I just dismiss it almost because I don't get first of all when you find out that priest's history he's done the thing 12 years ago this exorcist that he's done. So only recently has he found this thing in the dirt, and then he's going to write a book. So what's this? I don't get it. I don't get the. I still don't. Maybe you can explain to me what what does that mean? Has he dug up something that has unlocked this spirit? Has he? Well, it's never explained. I'm not saying I need everything explained to me. Like that but piece I really is actually don't. found in the in the place, right? That's in Iraq. No, I mean it's there also. He picks it up, doesn't he? No, it wasn't that. I looked very closely. It wasn't that. It was a different thing. It was like a little clay creature that she had made. And that's why when he goes to the turtle and he's looking, he's like, oh, who's the artist? Are you sure that's not it? I looked very closely because I thought, oh. oh, Because in the book, it is it. No. Is it just not badly done on the film? In the book, it it, 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 is it. Yeah, but what is it? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. It's just some... That's what I mean. It's overly indulgent to say, like, this is what, this embodies the spirit. When the spirit's not in somebody, it goes into this thing, and then when it See, I don't, I never somehow. really thought about it. Plus, think. it was buried when he did his other exorcism. So, how does that, it doesn't piece together. Now, maybe two and three explain it, but. Um, no. <laughs> I don't, in fact, two and three don't really exist in my mind. <laughs> maybe three. Three's good, but I don't see it as an exorcist film. I see yeah. it just as something else, like, you know? It really and two is, yeah. is horrendous. Like, I mean, it's... Two's the Godfather Three of the exorcist. <laughs> you know? It's really, like... it's it To me, it was like... We've got to have Linda Blair back. And we've got to, uh... You know, it was so big. we got to do something. It some, wasn't Friedkin? Or whatever his name is? It, it was... I can't remember the director, but it was some psychedelic kind of guy, and it was all imagery, and it was like, even though Linda Blair's there on the on the poster and all that shit, she's like barely in it. You know, it's oh, like yeah. it's like a sometime after she's in a mental institution or something, and it's really vague and kind of like hard to follow. You know, it's it's weird. You'd have to watch it. Yeah. It's, on, it's on Netflix. In fact, you wouldn't have to watch it. It's 
I'd get the gist. Legitimately bad. Uh, it was... I think it was an excuse to go, like, let's have a poster, The Exorcist 2, with Linda Blair's face on it, and let people will go and watch it, but I don't think they did. Right. Because it sets in pretty quick, doesn't it, when some people go and see it and go, oh, that was awful. Yeah, and you can't... <laughs> some things you can't keep... You can't reanimate. You I mean, The Exorcist is a... Make it better than it was. It's a contained story anyway, right? It, yeah, totally. It, it, it starts and it finishes. I mean, it isn't when you're thinking, okay, we're talking about um, someone being possessed by the spirit of Satan, right? And now but this they one, no longer are. So that spirit has been unleashed somewhere in the world. So that story can go on. But keep wrapping the same person up in it is what's a little bit. But I don't know. I've never seen it. It's not like she gets possessed again. It's like... She has flashbacks to when it happened. Like, you know when they say at the end, oh, she didn't remember any of it all. Mm. Well, then she starts remembering stuff. It's like that. But then it's weird. She, I, I can remember she's flying on a dragonfly over this weird world. And it's super, like, 1970s, end of the 70s, um, let's smoke a joint kind of movie. <laughs> so, no, let's not discuss The Exorcist 2. Really. Fair enough. Uh, but 3, yeah, was all right. But, like I say, I don't see it as part of this Exorcist. That's no. it. It's just another movie about you know possession and stuff. Yeah, um, or mental health. Yeah, one of those. So yeah, it's. I think it, I literally think, and it does say on the covers. Somebody put the scariest film of all time. I actually think it's the greatest. Um, and I know you say don't call it a horror film because mm-hmm. they don't. Well, it isn't really. It's but not to me, horrific. I've always seen it as a horror film because I'm horrified by it. Right. Um, so to me. It's literally my greatest horror slash scary slash freak the shit out of your movie. <laughs> I don't think there's anything better. I mean, I've seen lots of stuff. But even now, I'm unsettled by it. The noises, the way it's presented, that 70s style of filmmaking where it's almost matter of fact, this is what you're looking at. And very natural conversations and... I'll tell you, the other only movies that give me that feeling of an imminent threat that I actually feel afraid of Close in the field. moment. No, not at all. <laughs> Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Because both of those have a relatively slow build. You know, the shark thing just... It just... Even now, I can watch that movie and just think, gee, man, just imagine being trapped out there at the mercy of some animal in the wild. I mean, not just a shark specifically, but that would, that would, that had an impact on me. And then Close Encounters, because it builds so slow and you don't know what this is. Is it a threat? It's creeping in his mind. Another thing of mental illness mixed with a reality that nobody else wants to believe, that also sort of cemented my fear of aliens (laughs) or extraterrestrials or whatever from another planet just sneaking up on me sometime when I'm at a stoplight in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Like that kind of fear, those did it to me as well. They don't have the lingering fear that this does. You know, because now I'm I'm not afraid of aliens. I welcome them. I say, and they're not aliens. They're just coming, you know, they're flying around. Come on. I wouldn't necessarily be afraid to be in the ocean on a boat with sharks fly, flying around, but this one still... I still actually think, also, that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, oh, yeah, has yeah. some kind of... It's a great... Uh, it's not a great movie, because it's actually yeah. kind of low-budget and kind of not 
not that great, but the 70s feel of it, and you don't know what you're going to get, apart from the fact that it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I guess you do know what you're going to get, but you don't as it's unfolding. It's kind of weird and and actually scary, because it's not a supernatural thing, it's just a fucked up thing that's exactly. happening. Like, so there are, and it's, you know... These are clusters like The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those movies are clusters like some of the greatest of of the genres. There's actually it's not a mistake that people Correct. mention them a lot because they are like they have an impact. And I don't know that they would have the same impact on a person today who's 20 years old watching them for the first time because I really don't. I've seen the remake of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? We you've seen it also. That doesn't have any impact on no. me because it's too glossy and it's too, you know. But then the old one, because it was literally filmed in the 70s. Plus, it was the... When we watched The Exorcist, it was the first of its kind. When we watched Friday the 13th, it was the first of its kind. Yeah, when yeah. we watched Chainsaw Massacre, it was the first of its kind. When we watched Star Wars, it was the first. When it, You know what I mean? We were... There was nothing before it. When we watched Avatar... It was the first. Exactly, you know, exactly. So the, when you're there 12, are milestones. Yeah, exactly. When you're 12 years old now and watching Avatar for the first time, but do you know the impact? Whereas we didn't know the impact then, really, of those things, except this is over good. the years you realize there was nothing before that. We were like a guinea pig generation almost of youth being introduced to all. The, and so it has a different, whole different thing. Like when you played video games in 1990... Early it was a whole different game than if you buy your nephew a 360 these days and you give him Gears of War. I mean, it's a whole different thing, Mike. So I think the impact on us will just it will almost always get lost on another generation because yeah. you know, like themes of good and evil and religion have been really explored as well for the last 30 years, a lot in movies and TV and That's another thing, isn't it? You just realize back then I didn't have hardly any television. We had three channels. So it wasn't like I had a lot of TV shows to choose from. There was no X-Files, obviously, because the X-Files to me is kind of born of all that. To explore, like, all sorts of weird, different, I guess you got, like, mystical... The Outer Limits and, like, you true, know, those true. kind of shows. Twilight yeah, yeah, Twilight Zone. Zone. That stuff that kind of touches on... And that's on why it. those were super popular. And they were Because re- people yeah. wanted that, you know. You're right. And those are benchmarks. People now go, like, the Twilight Zone are some of the best stories ever told on TV, like, in the, that science fiction realm. Yeah, and that you can't get that back again. Like, when they tried to do um, Tales from the Crypt or something like that, they're, they're just not... They're no. trying to be it, but they weren't it. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, The Exorcist, uh, this talk of a remake... Um, an actual physical, not a sequel or a, like yeah, a remake. Yeah. Now, yes, that would introduce it to a lot of film goers who, younger ones who would never think of picking up a 70s movie. But as always in these situations, they should pick up the 70s version. Yeah. I mean, at least maybe a remake would encourage them to go and see the original. Like, oh, well, you know, I like that. I wonder what the original was like. I don't know. But I don't think it needs a remake. I can even see the remake. Yeah, yeah. It's glossy, it's... You know? Her makeup would be better. I mean, it's good, but it's still that it's sort of st- a bit farcical for a young person today to look at it. They'd be like, oh my god, look how fake it looks. Even though it doesn't look... No, I think it It looks- does when you're looking close. Because you're like, oh, it's just that old school 70s 
um, blobby. I'm, I'm surprised how well it holds up, though, even in high def, mm-hmm. when you can literally see everything. Yeah, the bruises on her. Stuff yeah. Unless they really did bruise her. No. <laughs> no, I'm surprised how well it held up. Even, like, the turning, the head turning around thing and stuff. Um, I, that's well, a bit fishy. Let's be honest. I yeah, mean, but it's literally completely practical. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, in 2000, because we had CG in 2000, go and say, like, let's... Star Wars this let's make it let's go in and touch things up and make it so your new one would have like the crab walk down the stairs would be all like looking like the ring and shit you know that weird yeah and it doesn't we've seen it all like so and we've seen the and maybe the or maybe a new version would try and make it more shocking even though this is totally shocking still like I mean a little girl I think it would lose its psychological thriller part I don't think it needs doing, but... Unless Clint Eastwood directed it. That might be alright. See, I don't think it needs doing, but it will be... I'm, I'm a... Who would you pick as the girl? I have no idea. Who, but the mother. That would be a good one to pick. Somebody really... I have no idea. Kate Winslet. I don't know who they would pick for a girl. I think Kate Winslet would make a good... Uh, good mother. As in, you know, being the famous actress in the movie... Whoever the girl is, it'd be a tough job, because I think it was a tough job. So, um, let's move on to the cast, uh, while, while you're to switch yourself off the second <laughs> I was about to read it. So, um, Linda Blair plays Reagan, we all know Linda Blair. Um, it's interesting, because you've really not seen Linda Blair much after The Exorcist. She was in stuff. Yeah, not much. And she does appear on the uh, extras here. And well, um, we know, she, had, she was 15 years old and had a relationship, lived with... Rick Springfield when he was 25. That would have been after this movie, right? Yes, but she was only 15. So yeah. that kind of shows you her life probably wasn't Not very the average normal. kid. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I mean, she'd made The Exorcist. Yeah. And then she was... And then just imagine the shitstorm after that, my goodness. Yeah, and there's some interesting... Kevin Smith think he got a lot of crap for dogma. Imagine those people. Oh, yeah, I know. Making that in the 70s about Catholicism. Well, we know, because in that other documentary, The Fear of God... The documentary that we've seen before, they did mention about the picketing outside the cinemas mm. and stuff, um, God people. And the Catholic Church even commenting yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it, it was probably pretty crazy, I would imagine. Because there wasn't anything as graphically yeah. challenging the church on, on film, I don't think, at all. Like, And then Monty Python came along with the Holy Ghost. You know what, these days I bet <laughs> they wouldn't even have it as a girl. She'd be like 17 or 18. Because I bet it would just be too much... Hmm. Too much for them to deal with. All of the censoring stuff, all of the groups and the special interests and the insurance, and I bet it wouldn't even be a 12-year-old girl It would anymore. have to be, though, too. I, I don't, that's part of the impact. Um, it is for us in if that movie. it was just movie, a woman or a teenager. Or... I think they'd have to make her older. I don't know. I mean, Let Quentin Tarantino make it. <laughs> I mean, we just had uh, Kick-Ass with a hit girl. True, very true. So there's a little girl who... But wasn't very successful. It doesn't happen. Uh, and in fact, that's what I said to you. When we watched hit, uh, Kick-Ass and Hit Girl, like, she's a, like, 13, 14-year-old girl, filthy mouth swearing and doing this really violent stuff. I said to you, like, I can't even think the last time that happened was The Exorcist, surely, right? Because it just yeah. doesn't happen. They don't put a kid in that kind of role... But then somehow uh, they did it again. And it's literally a taboo thing, I think, because it never happened in a big span and of time. And it should be. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, let's be honest. It's not exact. It's not very. But what I'm getting at is like they did put this Chloe Moretz in the Hit Girl thing, so that's to say they might put a little girl in in a somebody a young actress like her in a new Exorcist. True. Um. So yeah, Linda Blair plays Reagan. Uh, she's fantastic. It's like who who knew that? I mean, I think she's better than I remember liking her in the past. I just always thought she was. I bought the little girl in this unique situation of having a like famous mother film star woman, you know, being privileged because they've got servants in the house, and you know, yeah. it's it's not your average family life. You know, a father's not really asked anymore, so she's you know unhappy kind of kid, like unhappy slash happy. It's I don't kind think of, she's unhappy at all. No, it's kind of both. Um, I I see. It. I always saw it like. The scene where she's standing there yeah, and the mother's like, yeah. yeah, it's like she's in a in between like parents. So she's are, vulnerable to this infiltration of the mind, and it's not just <laughs> a standard. And she's a only child. It's not a standard like family scenario. It's this odd situation. Yeah, yeah. And I bought it. You know, it's it's a it's just a weird situation, and then this thing happens on top of it. Um, so yeah, I like her. Ellen Bernstein as uh, Chris. Uh, mo- she's excellent. She's mesmerizing to me. Really, she is absolutely like. I don't know if it's the '70s style of filmmaking, but I believe she exists. Like, yeah, when totally. I'm watching it. Yeah, totally. It's just like watching somebody's mom deal know, with a possessed child. <laughs> exactly, and, and the lines that come out of her mouth don't feel like lines to me. It feels like she's just dealing with people on the phone or like. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, um, that's down to her, though. She's awesome. Yeah, and like nowadays. And Karis, when we get to him. Nowadays, you don't. I don't find that natural dialogue. I feel um, like Kate Winslet is. That's why I mentioned much. her. Because I feel like she's one of those people that I really am as mesmerized by. Yeah. You know, the reader and. I guess they don't make films like Revolutionary they used to. Road. I just felt really. I just am, um, like, sucked in by her. The deal is they don't make films like they used to. The the whole style of a movie in the seventies. You don't they don't do it now. Everything's even if it is something like revolutionary. Other than like No Country for Old Men, The Book of Eli. These are movies that build that that But it's still there's still a level of like Shock and awe every couple minutes. Yeah, and glossiness to it. Whereas like that guy said, and that's what you get from seventies movies. It's almost like a documentary. You're just following some people. And it's pretty raw. And there's no slick anything. There's no slick camera moves. Even though they they kind of are in The Exorcist. Yeah. As we, know, as we saw in The Exorcist. So you're talking about like Deer Hunter and Apocalypse Now. These yeah, are movies those. that you have this like gutsy, raw... But then... Taxi Driver. Um, part of that could be... It's just the way the movies Godfather. were. Like, that's the way film stock was. That's the way cameras were. That's the way lighting was. And that's it's really excellent. Post-production was not able to get no that. No CG messing around with anything. It's just what you saw in the lens is there on the screen. Um, but yeah, the way characters deliver dialogue and everything like... It, it just isn't like that anymore. I mean, even, even if like we watch that House of the Devil... Mm-hmm. Which was a new movie, um, being a 70s movie. I think they actually pulled I did, it off. I did. I didn't 100% like that movie, but that they pulled off. I agree. Because I was like, if you hadn't have told me this was a new movie, I might not have... 
I might have actually bought the fact that this was a movie from years ago, like an 80s movie or something. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think they did pull Do you like Paul Thomas Anderson does that? Do you, he still even has no, a little bit of power. he has a very slick yeah. uh, visual thing. But he it. has a really, really, like, a gutsy pace to me. I mean, he has good dialogue, etc. But I think his filmmaking is very modern, contemporary. Mm. Like, it, even Boogie Nights, which is set in the 70s, it's, it's too slick to really be the 70s, uh, camera-wise and, you know. Do you think we had more patience? Because... As things evolve, everything gets short and short and short and short. Everything's and short. a lot easier to do now, I guess. And like then, you saw like in these yeah. extras for the Exorcist. No, I mean for dialogue, we had we were weaned on the long sets of dialogue. Even comedy movies, even everything had a lot of dialogue, lots of talking, yeah. and there was action, obviously. But other examples of a long thing would be like the car chase in Bullet. Right? I've not seen it, but it's what twenty-five minutes long. You wouldn't have that now. Or vanishing point, where the whole movie's a car chase. Like, we just... You're along for the ride. Yeah, it's literally like, there's a story, but the, you're watching a car go from A to B the entire time. Like it's Well, a, there's a lot of road movies. Yeah, but not like that. That's a 70s movie in particular, where it's another genre. It's a car chase movie. But... It's a car chase. I don't thing. think... Even, like, Tarantino had um, Death Proof, trying to capture the essence of, like, a bullet or a vanishing point. I don't think it did. Like, uh, it's something of that time yeah. that you can't redo unless you're absolutely trying to redo it shot for shot, I guess. But then you This still- is our call to directors and writers out there. Make us some movies with some long dialogue, long conversations, slow build to the climax. Tarantino uh, answers your call in that respect. Like, it, I mean, that's how he operates, right? But not in a 70s way. But He's in a, pretty glammed up, though. But he does do the... Very long dialogue, um, kind of. Building. But it's like snappy and a little bit pretentious at the same time. It isn't like those scenes where it's really you really feel like you're digging into these characters and into their story. Uh, I'd find the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards. Oh whole, yeah, that's good. That's, that's a good one. The kind of thing where, you know, that's like a twenty-minute scene of dialogue that physically but, and mentally torment you. But there's so much tension there because of the physicality that's going on. I'm talking about, like, you know, just... I, it, I mean, it, it, it actually... It. it actually... That opening scene of Inglorious Bastards, for instance, the the whole opening until the credit title sequence shows, you can't even imagine that movie could get any better than that. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. did we just see the end of this movie? Because... That was, like, I've never seen anything like it. It's, like, amazing. You're all tuned up for, like, the rest of it. Yeah. So, yeah, people do make... I'm just saying, it's like a it's a time of filmmaking. You can totally place it. You watch Dirty Harry or whatever. You're like, this is a 70s movie. French Connection, another one, by this director. You know? Gran Torino. That's a good one that's got a pace that is reasonable, and it's got good build of the people. And I mean, it's not super long or anything, but it's a... It's a one of those that I like, you kind of sink your teeth into. So, Max von... <laughs> now that we're on, we're still on the... Uh, Max von Sydow plays uh, Father Merrin, who, um, like, when I first saw this, I thought he was an old guy. Yep, definitely. Like, I had no idea that it was like a, you know, and then later on I saw Flash Gordon. I was like, that's the same guy as in The Exorcist, what? <laughs> you know? How'd they make him look so young? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I always used to have this thing in my mind... Because Max von Sydow's still around, right? As far as I know. I think. 
But I always had this thing in my mind of when people say, oh, Max von Sydow's going to be in this, you know, recently. I always had this thing in my mind going, well, he was about 70 in The Exorcist. How old is that guy? Is he like 110? They showed him getting his makeup done, and he was really a young guy. Not not like in his 20s or anything, but I mean, maybe late 30s? At yeah. the time, maybe? Yeah, maybe? but I mean, they make him look like a 65-year-old man. And there's absolute, in this high-def version, there's literally close-up shots of his face in the beginning part in Iraq, where He's it's all- so close-up. Every wrinkle is showing, and none of it looks like makeup. Yeah, it totally. looks like an old guy. It's really good. I mean, and that's practical. That was no... There's no trickery. It's just makeup man does a good job, our woman. Um, and I really liked him in it. And I love him in Flash Gordon. You know, I mean, I, I think he's... He's powerful or something. Yeah. Uh, and then, finally, I've got down Jason Miller as Father Karras, who... I feel like I've seen him in a lot of things, but like... I don't. I feel like that's the only thing I've ever seen him in. No, he's been in stuff, but never as prominent as he was in this. Do you know what I mean? I feel like when you're watching him, as an actor, a person, he's troubled as well. And he's unless he's just really good, that there's something behind those eyes that, like, he's digging deep for his own... Yeah, and that pretty much... uh, He's got the craziest this... Whatever this is called in your cheeks. Right. Like, dimples, but they're not dimples, are they? They're like, he's a skeleton. He and just looks uh, real weathered, like he's been around, like, you know? I guess that would... Yeah, he's got a tough job. He's a psychiatrist for priests. So this uh, movie's directed by William Friedkin, uh, written by Peter Blatty. Um, I actually read the novel because I loved the movie when I was a kid. I read the novel. The novel's really close to what the movie is. It's kind of weird, like... Uh, you, I don't know if it's because I'd already seen the movie, but I kept seeing it shot for shot in my head as I was reading it. And it didn't seem to elaborate on that. Mm. Well, like, there was wasn't the loads guy. of extra stuff, yeah. Um, so, yeah, William Friedkin, who also directed The French Connection, uh, Rules of Engagement, and uh, Jade. Did you ever watch Jade with um, Linda Florentino? I can't remember if I did or not. Pretty good movie. Um, if you like a kind of serial killer slash sexy woman. It's good. Um, but yeah, William Friedkin, you know, he's he's kind of like a, a legend of Hollywood, yet when you go through his stuff, The Exorcist, obviously, and, you know, I just mentioned a few, but there's not tons. It's weird. You know? Yeah, he's one of those people that, arguably, I'm not saying it's luck as in he didn't put in the hard work and all the creativity to get it done, but... Compared to someone who's made movie after movie after movie after movie, or a writer who writes, you know, 20 books that are all good, as far as I know, but movies that I would say are quality good movies. He just, maybe, he gets his teeth into something and then turns that into something good, and then 50 things come along that he's just not that great at. You know, it doesn't make you great because you've done a couple of great things. No. And I find him to be really creepy, like extremely creepy when he's talking. Not just about Linda Blair, but I feel like he's just a sleazy-ish kind of... I don't know what it is about him. Even in the interviews of Only now. thing that I got bad or whatever <laughs> was uh, he has like an air of self-importance about him. <laughs> like, I'm the guy who made The Exorcist. I'm the guy who made... I had one. I had one. Warner, uh, and he, he says stuff about like Warner would... Uh, he, like, he was almost like a god to the film company. Like... Um, 
let this guy do what he wants. This is some good shit, you know? Like, then when he goes on to make the French Connection or whatever... He'd already made the French Connection, he said. He'd already won an Academy Award. And not then the, the French Connection. What did he else did he make? He made something... No, he didn't make a lot, a lot of movies after that. Hmm. Like, Rules of Engagement's way into the future, isn't it? That's like the, what, 90s? Who did Blade Runner? Ridley Scott. Right. Um, that just occurred to me. Ridley Scott is one of those people who's made a lot of quality... Sink your teeth into, this guy makes good movies. But I feel that William Freakin had that thing and he's like, I am the guy who made The Exorcist. And yes, he he, he made a very good movie and you can't deny that. It's hard to, to, you get to split it in half though. The guy doesn't necessarily, the work doesn't necessarily represent the person. There There is a separation there and I think he was driven and like you said, a bit, he's even said of himself, I'm a little less arrogant than I used to be, maybe. You yeah. know, kind of thing where, I don't know, I just have a hard... I can separate the movie from him, for real. I can't just go, oh, I don't like that guy, therefore the movie's crap. But he's one of those people, I think, because you say The Exorcist and you say The French Connection, those are token big big red lights at the top of everybody's list and everyone just gives you a pass for everything else. I don't think that's fair. It's interesting, when you get this Blu-ray, um, this is the it's the book thing, um, it comes with a little, um, I was going to say handwritten note from William Freakin, but not a handwritten note, a um, personal message from him, and it's got a little picture of him, he looks a lot older than Read us an excerpt. Um, he says, uh, <laughs> a series of unpredictable twists of fate brought... Bill Blatty and me together to make this film The Exorcist. We met four years earlier about a script he had written and that I didn't like. He appreciated my candour and we didn't see each other again until inexplicably he sent me his novel, which I thought was a masterpiece of suspense and a positive statement about God, the human condition and the relationship between the two. When he asked me to direct the film, I was flattered and humbled. We approached the film from different perspectives. Blatty was a Catholic who believes there is a supernatural force of evil in the universe whose game plan is to convince us he does, it does not exist. My own approach was more pragmatic. This is a great story that raises more questions than it provides answers. Our mutual goal was to make the film so realistic that it would be impossible for the audience not to believe it. Over the years, I'm drawn closer to Blatty's belief in the mystery of faith and that if there are demons, there are also angels. As Hamlet says to his friend Horatio, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. My gratitude to Warner Home Video for presenting this high-definition Blu-ray, which was colour-timed by the cinematographer Owen Roisman and myself, and represents the very best print ever made of The Exorcist. And then he signs it. So that wasn't an excerpt, that was it. <laughs> um, now you don't have to buy the Blu-ray, because you've just heard that. That's the most important part of the whole package. Yeah, so uh, this comes in the, uh, the, uh, the Blu-ray book, and the book's about... Well, the book is precisely 40 pages long. And it covers... I'm just showing it to you. Mm-hmm. But it's got some nice photographs uh, and quotes from the movie. And some interesting... It actually gives you the exorcist ritual that you can read. The actual oh, right. the words. Um, and it also has the... The power of Christ compels you. And it the also, power of Christ compels you. I've forgotten how many times they actually say that. A lot that. of times. It lasts like they're trying to get minutes. It, trying to get it right but out. But then they're just like, like they're numb by it. The power of Christ compels you. The power... Over and over and over. Um, and it also has a little bit of trivia. And there's some interesting trivia. I was reading this earlier this week. Um, the book 
spent 55 weeks at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. 55 weeks. Um, Originally? Yeah. Like when it was released? Um, the other interesting one was uh, most of the film was shot in New York. Not Georgetown as um, the movie. I believe that. I think it felt way more like New York. Exteriors were shot in and around Washington, D.C. Like I've ever been to New York. Not Georgetown. <laughs> Uh, and Reagan's bedroom was built inside a refrigerated set which went down to 20 degrees below zero. Um, during the Middle Ages, this is uh, interesting trivia, public exorcisms proved to be popular crowd-pleasers and were often accompanied by severe torture. Victims, many of whom were only guilty of being non-Christians or mentally ill, were often branded as rich- witches or sorcerers to justify the church's action. Genius. So, yeah. And despite the initial fears of Warner Brothers concerning the graphic nature of the film scenes, the ratings board awarded the movie a lenient R rating without a single cut. Which probably wouldn't happen these days. Probably not. You know, they get cut. Well, not this director cut, but the other one would be alright, I think. He um, it has a whole thing, a whole like, bio- biography on uh, William Freak and tells you all the movies... It's just a really well-presented um, yeah, Blu-ray. It's, um, some effort was made to make um, a, a definitive edition. It totally is. I mean, I've owned different versions of this throughout the years. Um, it also comes with two discs. One's the original theatrical version and one's the extended director's cut. Now, neither of us have seen it in the theatre, right? I have not. No, I have I mean, not. I've seen it in our theatre downstairs, but not... Um... No, that's the biggest and best I've seen it. The sound on this uh, new Blu-ray... Is intense. I gotta say. Oh my god! It's when the phone rings that time, I yeah, was like, yeah. "Holy shit!" And then when it cuts to the bar and the music kicks in, I literally thought the stereo had popped on in yeah. the back of the room. I was it's like, crazy. "What the fuck is that?" And there's like <laughs> a, another thing is that when um, Father Karras is in the tube station. Oh yeah. And the train comes rumbling past. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a movie from the seventies. They, they've upped the ante on the sound. Like, it, um, but there again, when it when it's dialogue scenes. It does sound like a 70s movie. They didn't mess with it completely. No, it's good. I like how they kept it kind of faithful. Um, now, extras on this on this disc. It's awesome. Jam-packed. Yeah, it's really awesome. I, I, um, if, you know, if you're a fan of this movie, this is all you need. I mean, there isn't a DVD version in the box. That's the only thing I could say. However, just as a warning, if you've owned it on DVD before, yeah. you're not getting a whole lot of new stuff. Uh, no. No, but you are getting both versions of the movie in high def and everything that was included on those. Right, I'm just saying, though, this isn't like you're not getting two... Well, not a load. There are well, only, like, two or three things. What you're getting new is... Uh, well, let's start. Disc one is the extended director's cut 2000 version, which we watched, with a brand new, this has never been seen before, three-part documentary on the movie's production. It's broken into three parts. What The first part's called Raising Hell, Filming the Exorcist. Loads of behind-the-scenes footage. You'll find out that they literally had a behind-the-scenes unit filming behind-the-scenes stuff, which is really good for a movie. Mm-hmm. You don't expect to see that stuff. Um, they also have the Exorcist locations, Georgetown, then and now. Um, and they also have Faces of Evil, the different versions of the Exorcist, which I found fascinating because it's these two versions and the director and the novelist. The reasons why, yeah. reasons why one likes one, one likes the other, and there was a whole... But they're like, not very long, and it's not really substantial, other than it kind of gets to the point. And what else is brand new, which is awesome, is on the 2000 cut, 
there's a new commentary by William Friedkin throughout the whole movie. Now, if you then if you put in the other disc, which is the theatrical cut, there's two commentaries on that disc. One by William Friedkin and one by Peter Blatty. So you get both sides of this story, which is perfect because it really is a two-sided story from the, mm-hmm. them two. Um, you also get an introduction by William Friedkin to the movie. You get the feature length. Now, this is one of the best things about this whole set. The 1998 documentary, The Fear of God. Now, this was a BBC documentary about the making of The Exorcist. It runs about 90 minutes, and it's better than the new ones they put together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a proper... Like, a guy who's a big super fan of The Exorcist made the documentary, and he goes to the places where it was made, and he, he gets he interviews them. But he even goes and shows you what places are like now. It's really good. Um, uh, just let me interject that some of the new stuff does have modern-day Linda Blair... Yeah, it does. ...interviewed, talking about her experiences. So that was good. Actually... I still feel like she was holding back a bit. Yeah, Like, she's been to lots of psychiatrists since then. The questions you (laughs) answered. tempering, eh, kind of, sort of, not really. It wasn't like she's saying, that hurt like hell, man. And that was was a child and they shouldn't have done that to me. She said things like, you know, he tried his best and he really wasn't... You know, he was... He had my best interest at heart. Like, someone has convinced her of that. You do see behind the scene footage, though, in that documentary of, like, the crucifix scene, how it literally yeah. her on the set talk with the direct. It's all, it's not just photographs, it's actual footage that they had. They didn't have any sound for any of the footage because they didn't have a sound crew for the behind the scenes. But you, it's good quality, See, you see how it's done. Yeah. And some of those special effects, you know, you realise how little they had to work with. It takes a lot of creativity in those, you know, anytime yeah. to make special effects in camera. Then there's also on this second disc an interview gallery covering the topics, the original cut, the final reckoning, Stairway to Heaven, and the original ending. Now, those, um, the original ending is actually the ending that they put back on the 2000 version with the the conversation. Yeah. Um, now, everything on disc two, if you own the 2000 DVD, you own already. But everything on disc one, aside the movie, well, you don't own already. You don't own that movie either. Well, you do, because there's no, a DVD the of that. Cut. Yeah, there's a DVD of that movie. Oh, right, right. came out in 2000. Right, right, right. Um, basically, the, look at it. I went and had a look at my DVD version, which I can now retire pretty much. But I have the original DVD version from, I don't know, when DVD first came out. It was one of the first movies yeah. that came out in a snapper case. And... Um, it's not even proper widescreen, it's non-anamorphic, so you have to press your zoom button to make it fill the screen, so that makes it pretty poor to start with. But mine had no extras, hardly. In fact, it had nothing. It's a very basic version. So you've either got that very basic version, or you've got the one that came out in 2000 with these extras on. Uh, or, or you have the videotape. Yeah, nothing <laughs> So... Yeah, this is um, literally the definitive version. It comes in an awesome package. It's The Exorcist, right, as well? Correct. This costs quite a little... Um, I've not seen this cheap. It's not necessarily cheap. 30, $30 to $35 I've seen it, but it's all of it. It's The Exorcist. Yeah. I can I can recommend this. I felt it if people have been in love with it forever and they have bought other versions and now they're still selling you your same stuff for more money. 
when in reality all you're getting this time extra is the director's cut of it and those three extras. And the high-definition presentation with the remastered sound as well. I mean, yeah, it's the best you've that, seen that, here. That shouldn't cost any more. Let's get no, it. I, there's one thing I have to say about that. Um, it's an old movie, right? So obviously some scenes are... Um, some of, some of the darker scenes in this movie are I can't I can't even know what, how you say that it's just it's it's not nothing to do with Blu-ray or whatever it's um grainy or whatever not grainy even like uh, when you have low light on a camera and you get that noise yeah well there's quite a lot of that noise in this movie but the Blu-ray looks amazing it preserves that stuff I'm assuming that's on the original print it makes it look this is what I thought. I'm not watching a video projector. I'm actually watching a film. Like, it looks like a film. Mm. Like, you see the... You see, I mean, it's not scratched up or anything, but it looks kind of alive. Like, there's all... this stuff going on everywhere. Mm. Now, that's one thing I noticed. Um, yes, it's not like super... It's not Iron Man 2. No, of course, no, yeah. Nothing... It's not all super sharp, but it preserves what Avatar. the movie... <laughs> it preserves what the movie's supposed to look like, and I think that's the job of Blu-ray, you know? Um, and I... I have never seen it this good, obviously, or heard it this good, because I've literally seen it on a little portable TV when I was a kid. Not very big at all. And I've seen it... I probably saw it on our 15 inch I think we did TV. watch it, yeah. Um, but this is the best I've ever seen it. So, might be a little bit more price-wise, but you do get both versions of the film, and they did make an effort there to make it a collectible... Uh... Yeah. I mean... They can't really come out with another one in five years because I think they covered it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Unless a new format comes out. So that's The um, Exorcist. Uh, for me, it's absolutely... It's one of, one of the best Blu-rays I own. Just content. Because of the content, yeah, yeah. Content and the fact that everything... Like, if, if you want to know everything if about The Exorcist... you love that movie... And not just the movie, but the whole the mythology around it, the making of it, There's the concept of it, how it got it. made, the stories behind how all that comes with it. I think, yeah, because there's two separate worlds. There's the Exorcist movie, which is just like whoa in your face, creep fest, if you will, in your mind. And then there's the whole Hollywood filmmaker tyrant guy behind the scenes with the young girl. Trying to make this movie and all that stuff, so there's two separate it's things. It's got an this Has all that, yeah. Yeah, like some movies, like you've said, you don't give a damn how it was made because there's not really a story behind yeah. it. But The Exorcist, because it was a young girl, you feel like you want to know that stuff. So, yeah, it's one of my highest rated Blu-rays. I mean, not for the fact that it looks yeah. like Avatar, like I just said, but it's just amazing, and I'm glad they give it the proper treatment like it was supposed to. So, um, Exorcist. Uh, if I had thumbs, I would stick them off. And if, I had... <laughs> if you had thumbs, what happened to your thumbs? I took them off. And uh. if I had no numbers, I, it would be the highest ones possible. I'm not... You know, six, six, six. Not stepping... Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> no, I get it higher than that. I'm not stepping on other people's uh, numbering systems. So, um... What's thanks... it get on Metacritic? <laughs> Is on... there Exorcist the game? <laughs> no. So uh, thanks to Warner for the uh, for the Blu-ray, and uh, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can enter a contest next week, following on the horror slash Halloweeny type theme. We're going for Splice on Blu-ray, Good. Uh, a new uh, Splice. It's more of a sci-fi thing, I think. Right? Yeah, horror. I think. Well, I don't know. Don't worry, Splice, also directed by the director of the movie Cube. 
which is an I don't awesome. Like, I don't know anything else about it. No, that's all. That's all. I'm Excellent. Um, but yeah, spice. So we're going to look at that next week. Um, movie recommendations. I didn't put any. Me either. There is nothing. And what did I write? There is nothing to compare. It's vulgar to recommend on this occasion. We're not being lazy. Didn't want to. No, pick I thought. Just... I just instantly thought. There's just. This is the movie you recommend when you see other sort of shitty movies, and you say, if you really want to see a good movie in this genre, watch The Exorcist. There's just nothing. I mean. Other than, we've mentioned some movies, like when I say Jaws gave me that feeling, you know, in Close Encounters of the Third Time. Texas Chainsaw. They're not recommendations, it's just that visceral thing that I have had my personal self as a young person watching movies. The things that made me love movies, these are some of them. And they're in the same class, but they're not in the same league with The Exorcist. So my recommendation is get this Exorcist on (laughs) Blu-ray this Halloween season and watch both discs. Watch both versions of the movie. See which one you like best. Yeah, watch the original. Yeah. And then watch the new. That's what I mean. And then all the other stuff. Because, I mean, it's enough to fill a whole night up in itself, right? And so, then get Exorcist 2 and Exorcist... <laughs> yeah. Don't. Maybe get the French Connection to celebrate Friedkin's... Yeah, Exorcist 2 is on Netflix if you're morbidly curious. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, movie recommendations or... That's not movie yeah. recommendations. So, uh, games and A-Scully stuff this week... I've been playing um, Dead Rising 2 some more, Halloween-themed, uh, zombie killing. Yes. Uh, almost finished it, got maybe another couple of hours to go. Are zombies Halloween? They're not all, those zombie movies aren't all on Halloween. They're just creepy, right? Well, uh, they're It's not a Halloween thing. Oh, they're horrific, I'm but... just saying stuff to watch on Halloween. Right, right, right. <laughs> In fact, that the show I'm looking forward to on TV, The Walking Dead, mm. is actually premieres on Halloween. So Very uh, good. I'm, I'm excited to see that. So, uh... Yeah, I've been playing Dead Rising 2 some more. We've talked about it. Um, I also, interesting, um, I've been, I usually use Steam to buy online games for the PC. But um, recently, I um, I don't know why, but I loaded up games for Windows Live. I think I mentioned it the other week and I bought um, There was something free for a dollar. Or Borderlands like a dollar. for like super cheap. Anyway, I opened it up again just to have a, I was kind of having a nose round yeah, this, this week. And um, they seem to have every week a game for cheap now a game that I've really loved on the uh, 360 called Dirt 2 it's the Colin McRae rally game I loved it on the 360 and the PC version's actually got extra stuff and it actually looks better because it uses the PC's um, right you know graphics so um, they had Dirt 2 for uh, 4 which is insane because that game costs I just went, I went, at first I was like, I'll go and see how much it is elsewhere on. So I went to like Amazon, it's forty nine ninety nine. Everywhere, I couldn't find it for cheaper than forty nine ninety nine. So they had it for four ninety nine. It comes with Xbox Live Achievements, it's a PC game. So you lo- it logs onto Xbox Live and there's achievements for it. Um, it's the whole game, it's got multiplayer, four ninety nine. So yeah, there's a... It's an awesome. This is game. a game you've played before, right? Yeah, but um, I'm playing it through again. It's a racing game, so it's not like you've played it before. It's always yeah. different. You go online, you race people. It's not. I mean, this is from the person who's still playing Plants vs Zombies. So yeah. over well, and over and over. Well, a racing games are racing. Like there's always a different opponent online. You know what I mean? It's not like you just want to stop playing a game. So I've started playing through it again. I remember how good it was. It's way nicer on the PC graphically. Excellent. Like, like the 360 looks good, but this takes it steps it up even further because you can really crank the detail up um so yeah i don't it's not 4.99 anymore because it never is by the time we get around but 
just keep an eye on the uh, games for Windows Live. I'm sh- I don't think many people do. It's like the Zoom Marketplace. It's like people dis Microsoft try and do these things, but people don't use it so much. Um, the other game I played this week and finished was Medal of Honor, mm. which um, played is, and finished, eh? Yeah, it was very short, four hours long. Oh, um, which is really short for uh, what you do. My face just feels all like poofy, so I'm, um, I'm massaging my eye sockets. It's really short for a. First I wasn't going to mention it, but since you want me to tell everybody, for a first-person <laughs> shooter, it's um, really, really short. Um, I can't recommend it for full four game. Hour. Yeah. Oh right. Sixty dollars, four hours. I thought it was like one of those add-on packs. Or now it does have multiplayer, which I didn't really bother with because I'm waiting for Call of Duty, which is three weeks away now. Right. Um, but I just want to say, like, the single player of this game, while it's kind of all right, it's um really generic like I didn't feel like I there was there was like two levels where I was like oh I'm, I'm kind of blown away by this these levels but it never sustains it right it goes back to, and, and the ending do you like I think all games should have this at the end of a game it should kind of come to a crescendo and a client you know like you should feel like you're approaching the end it's a big battle here's something you're leading to well this one just like ends it was really weird I was like Oh, we've got to get... It says, here's your objective. It's over there. So I'm, like, shooting, sniping over this ridge. And then I run over this thing. And the cutscene plays and it's ended. I was like, there's no... There's no bad... Like, I mean, you're fighting the Taliban. We've already gone into all that stuff. But there's no, like, final thing or... Well, that war isn't over, is it? No, and and then they do sit in the back of the helicopter as the credits are rolling. And it fades to them and they say, this isn't over. Yeah, of course. Which is really lame. So, um... I mean, it's a lame way of you saying... Give, okay, if they made an ending, then people would be like, "What? how fucking arrogant of this game company to make up an ending to a war that hasn't ended I don't yet. mean an ending to the war. I mean an ending to these this men these men's... Right, portion of it. Yeah, because they give you an objective. You can see it. So you could all die from your little platoon and that would be fine with you. That would be the end of you, at least. Yeah, at least. Or... You know, something happens and you're all pulled out or whatever. I don't know. But it's very... Oh, really? Like, it's ended? Like, it's almost like a movie with no conclusion. So, you know. And then you're like, the conclusion is $60 next year, right? (laughs) For the second one. So, I can't recommend it. um, Even though it was briefly fun. Even... it was. In fact, it was one of those games that lasted for four hours... Yeah, it felt like about ten hours to me. Oh. But it really was only four hours. But not in a good way. Not in a good way. Because uh, there was some real frustrating parts. Um, and that's it for games this week. But coming up, um, this week releases, is uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, which I've played a little bit of, but I'll speak about it more next week, uh, which is a Nintendo Wii game, Nintendo's big game for this season. Um, DJ Hero 2 which is out tomorrow. Vanquish, which is out tomorrow, which is Sega's new shooter uh, made by the guy who made Resident Evil. But it's not about zombies. Right. It's about robots. Fair enough. Rock of the Dead, which is a Guitar Hero game uh, where you kill zombies. Awesome. Kind of like Typing of the Dead, but with a guitar, if that makes any sense. Rock yeah, very. Yeah, I don't think we're stupid. We get it. Rock Band Three <laughs> um, is also out next week. 
and Fallout New Vegas, which is the sequel to Fallout 3, which um, should be awesome. Um, so, yeah, it really is gaming season. Those are the games on the horizon. There was also going to be Gran Turismo 5, but it got delayed, even though... You know what? That was a bummer, right? What, Fable 3? Fable 3 is the week after that. Uh. I um, got... I have some gift vouchers for GameStop. So I went online, and I was like, what can I use my gift vouchers for? I'd already paid for Black Ops, which is Call of Duty. I've already paid for it on Amazon, so I was like, I'll use these to get another game that I really want this holiday season. And the other one was Gran Turismo 5, which, you know... It's, you love it? I love, love it. it. I would buy it regardless, right? So I go, I, it says, release November the 2nd. I'm like, awesome. Put my vouchers down. I only ended up paying $10 for the game, which is great. I um, pre-ordered it. I woke up the next morning... <laughs> I look on my newsreader, and it says, Gran Turismo 5 has been delayed. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a bummer. I just pre-ordered it yesterday. And then I went and looked, and it says, it's delayed until the holiday season. Now, to me, isn't November the 2nd the holiday season already? Pushing it. Yeah, I don't know what... The delay doesn't have a specific date, but the holiday season... It's like November, um, Thanksgiving... You know. Well, it's, it was supposed to be out November the 2nd. They're kind of saying it might come out. I, I'm say, thinking they might be saying anywhere between November the 2nd and December the 25th. Right. <laughs> right. So hopefully the delay is only a month. Because, as you know, this game has been delayed. No, I don't know. Well, it's the most delayed game ever. It was supposed to be out, original release date, three years ago. Ah. It's still... He's Yamamuchi, the guy who makes Gran Turismo who is a car nut. I'm very... He's a real um, perfectionist. He wants everything in this game. In fact, he delayed it for a year so he could add all of NASCAR. Oh, right. Just like... That was like... Because it's never been about... It's, usually it's just about cars and tracks, right? And then he's like, do you know what? I'm going to delay this for a year and we're going to put all of NASCAR's tracks and every NASCAR car in there just as a separate thing like t- towards the main game. And, and everybody was like... Oh, that's pretty cool. And then the year passed and he said, oh, we're not ready yet. What we're going to do now is instead of having 200 cars, we're going to have 1,000. Holy crap. So this game, when it comes out, it better deliver, right, on all these things. The 1,000 cars, NASCAR track. uh, Oh, he's adding go-kart racing. All (laughs) kinds of stuff. It's like everything to do with cars is going to be in this game, so... Hopefully. Sounds ambitious. Yeah, hopefully hopefully he doesn't on December the 25th go, sorry, fans... This won't be out till 2011. Never. Never. So yeah, that's Gran Turismo 5 and that's my disappointment. So uh, what have you got on the agenda this week? What's the first thing? I don't know. You're going to say You can read it. You're supposed to ask me. That's how this segment's supposed to work. This is radio. You asked me this question. I just asked you. You didn't. This question. (laughs) Oh, what's for dinner? (laughs) Jimmy John's. That's it. Because you said the other day you wanted to try it, so that's what we're having. Right. Why'd you make that face? You're the one who said the other day when I got it, oh, I could have tried that, but you didn't bring me one. So I could try it on, I said, movie day, and I said, that's fine. But you, then then you said, it's kind of stale sometimes and kind of weird. No, no, just the avocado spread. Oh. Not the, and I just get it without that now. Right. Like, the, we get the, I get the veggie one with the bean sprouts and the lettuce, cucumber, tomato, provolone cheese, and it has mayonnaise and avocado spread. The avocado spread is the thing that sometimes... I'm not 100% convinced it's... It's just like guacamole, only thinner. Yeah, yeah. Gar, it's gar-like and I'm, avocado. I'm not a big fan of avocado anyway. Right. I would so, like that sandwich, yeah, with the mayonnaise. Right? Yeah. Then stop making that face. Yeah. So that's what we're having. 
And Jimmy John's is a uh, like a submarine sandwich place, right? Yeah, like a chain. I think they're pretty much everywhere, but they're right around the corner, so it's easy. And after that, I have the Renaissance Festival that I went to yesterday in Kansas City, Kansas. And you went to it last year. Yeah. Um, probably talked about it on this very probably podcast. I did, and um, it was very fun. Very first, I'll start. I've go, I'll go to my next thing first. Went to Kansas City, stay all night with my niece and her husband, who just bought a house. So we were their first sort of, my brother and sister-in-law, her parents, were the first to ever stay with them, but were their first other guests to ever come stay. And my nephew went, my 14-year-old nephew, and my mother and I, and we stayed at their house, and we went out to dinner, because she knows I love Indian food, and so they took us to this place called Korma Sutra, Indian cuisine. <laughs> Korma Sutra. Yeah, I don't think it's a joke. And it, it was really delicious and really fun. It's like, it's hard to describe unless you go there. It's like... Kind of a little hole-in-the-wall place. You know, it's not fancy or anything. Kind of on the low, lower scale of <laughs> fancy. Not, I don't know. It's hard to describe unless you go there. Cool paintings on the walls. Like, I was facing the wall and I had this dude painted on the wall right in front of me with his hand up. He was kind of cartoony looking, but not a cartoon. And he had, like, a big, long beard and this really intense stare. And I kept looking at him and waving at him because he was like... His hands right. I don't know what it means. It's probably something really religious that I'm totally taking the piss out of. I don't mean to. Nice. And uh, it was really funny because they sat five of us at a four-person table. And as anyone who goes to any Indian restaurants know, <laughs> you get a lot of dishes and a lot of baskets oh, yeah. and a lot of cups and a lot. And so our table was just packed full because <laughs> so they bring you this little appetizer. Just they bring it straight to you. This little dumpling kind of a fried dumpling of vegetable stuff and then they bring you these four chutneys and he picked up everybody else's little plates and he he was talking totally in whatever is it hindu hindi language and saying something to us and then saying yes we're happy we're happy we're happy and he's mixing everyone's chutney on their plate for him without unsolicited and he didn't do me one i don't i'm not sure why but i like it i guess um or he didn't have time to do all five but then you dip your little dumpling in the stuff you know and my nephew who doesn't try a lot of things. He doesn't like onions, tomatoes. He's not a real adventurous eater. He'll try things slowly, right, over the years. He was like, just picked it up, ate it, and he ate the chutney, which had chunks of onions, chunks of peppers, and his face had that look like he'd never eaten anything hot or spicy. He started, he's like, now I know why they bring everybody water, and he's like drinking his water, and he's like, but it's alright, and he ate, he didn't eat the chutney so much, but he ate the dumpling. And, uh, my, I guess it would be my nephew, when your niece marries a dude, does he become your nephew? No. Well, my niece's husband recommended that he get, like, the butter he's not chicken. <laughs> well, he's married to my niece. I call, is he a nephew-in-law? I call Penny my aunt, and she's married to my uncle. Is he such a thing? Must be. Nephew-in-law. But I think you'd just say, he's my, he's my new nephew. He's my niece's husband. And he recommended that he get the butter chicken, because it's, like, tame. And he, Austin's like, okay, I'll try anything. I was totally impressed, because he's not... He doesn't do that, does he? He like macaroni and cheese and a Maybe piece of toast. Maybe he was starving. Had, he, had you eaten? Like- no, he, I think he's just gotten his mind. He's like, it's just food. I'll either like it or I won't. I said, you know that if you take a bite and you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. We will go get you something else. I'm, I'm not that person who says, you better eat every bite because that's bullshit. I just want him to experience things because you never know, like you say, if that thing is going to be your favorite. You'll never know until you taste it. And he was willing really, to I'll try it. it. I'll try it. I need everything. And if I don't like it, I won't eat it again. But if I and I've noticed recent, I try. I've never liked ranch dressing. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I've tried it. I've always disliked it. I don't know if it's the particular one that you've got recently. Maybe they are. I, I had, there was nothing to go on some salad in the fridge at all. And I was like, well, I'll try a little bit of this. I tried it and I liked it. So things change anyway. Yeah, they do. And my mom ordered goat curry. Now, this isn't going to be very vegan friendly for anybody. I got vegetarian korma, which is still made with loads of cream, but whatever. And my niece got vegetable something as well, creamy. And my niece's husband got butter chicken, but more spicy. So they bring your dinner, and they bring... We got nan, of course. We got the papadoms. They got, we had all the chutneys. So we got all these added dishes. And then they bring us, like, uh, our chai tea. We each got a chai... Like, a hot cup of chai tea. So we had four more cups with their four glasses. Then they bring us a free... Or it's included these mango drinks. Like, a milky kind of mango drink. So they added those cups to the table. And then we had the baskets of the nan bread. It was just like... Our, it was seriously, you, I was like eating around everything. But that made it even that much more fun. So the food's done. Really delicious. I'm a korma freak. So I was totally in love with it. And I made a huge effort to only eat half of it. So I could bring the rest home. Which I did. And you didn't let me taste any. I did not. I ate it. And, uh, Sweet. Selfishly. I'll go tomorrow and get ours from our closest by Indian. And then they take away the dishes. And then they bring... Um, this metal, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not a bowl. It's like a thing. Curved bowl shape. Metal nice thing all carved or silver or whatever it is. And a woman came with a pot of warm water in her hand. And she handed us a lime. And my niece's husband had to explain. Take the lime in your hand. Smash it all over your fingers. It's basically like a KFC wipe. She pours the warm water over your hands while you wash your hands. And then gives you a towel and everybody dried their their hands. And then almost immediately after that, she brings us these little bowls of this sweet, milky rice dessert. Which I always hate. Oh, no, so delicious. I've never liked it. Then she quickly takes those dishes away. Because there's only about five spoonfuls in there. And then they bring us these uh, a toothpick with a cube of frozen pistachio... Like sorbet kind of stuff, and that, and then that was like the palate cleanser. I guess it was really nice. It was really nice. Oh, with the nan, they brought us a yogurt, like a fresh, I assume homemade kind of yogurt stuff, and it was really delicious. So that was my a new good Indian food experience. Then the next day, we went to oh, they had these really cool video game chairs at their house, really super comfortable. I have a picture of them. I will show you. Highly recommend that we get one for the living room. And I'm not kidding. No, they're super comfortable. Like, just to sit in. It's really comfy. You're making another face at me. They always look really scummy, video game chairs. No, like they're really sleek. Chairs. No, no, you'll see. But it's nice that you have a judgment before you even see them. I and do. then the next day... Just anything day, that calls itself a video game chair is usually, like, really kind of dorm roomy, lame. No, nah, well, then you're wrong. Then the next day we got up and decided, and we're going to the Kansas City Renaissance Festival. And my niece, of course, put on her corset and her very Renaissance skirt that she's purchased there and her shoes and her, she's got like a purple poofy sleeved shirt and she has a gesture hat that has these really long things with the bells on the end. And then she put her jangly belt on, you know, like a gypsy, not gypsy, like a belly dancer kind of a belt. And my mother put on like her skirt and a kind of a poofy shirt and her to me, it looks like a crazy lady in black hat, but it's like kind of suited. And she had these black gloves that she put on. And then I had just, funny enough, I have clothes that I wear on a normal basis that look not renaissance but sort of gypsy-ish. And I said my theme is if I were a gypsy witchy kind of a woman from the renaissance and all of a sudden woke up in my bedroom, 
you know, and I'm, you know, when you're that kind of person, you kind of accept things as they are. Like, okay, I'm in the 21st century now. What's in this closet? Oh, these are suitable for me. That's my theme. Is like, I had a skirt that I wear often. It's kind of all ripped and torn, and I have this brown sort of hippie shirt. I wore that, and mom had a big kind of flowy scarf, and I just put that around because it was slightly chilly part of the day, but then it got really sunny and hot. So we went, um... Pretty much when they opened, which is like 10, 11 in the morning, and there were loads of people going because it was the last day, and it was like Halloween day, so you could dress up as anything, not just renaissance And we didn't see loads of people dressed up, but there were a few. I saw one sexy, quote-unquote, nurse with blood coming out of her mouth. You know, a few people that were dressed like demons. And... Sexy, quote-unquote. And you well, said she wasn't sexy. No, I'm saying people say the sexy nurse. She had like a short, mini skirt, nurse dress with the nurse hat, and then she had blood coming down like she was a zombie Vampire nurse man. or something yeah yeah maybe oh maybe she's from one of those books i don't know so there were a few of those um and i just i really like the renaissance fair i think that i would never be the person to give myself over to the whole fantasy of it and there are people walking around you can tell they're just in their element they're totally dressed head to toe speaking as if they're, it's renaissance times you know like not people who work there, just people coming to visit. But it's majority of people in blue jeans and cell phones and baseball caps and stuff. And, oh, my God, one of your friends mentioned he doesn't go because it's expensive with his kids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm I'm not being rude, but I'm just glad that's one less family for me to have to get stuck behind. They're so freaking slow. It makes me want to scream. It's like they've got three strollers, two little kids trailing behind, not in the stroller. Stroller's empty. The kid wants to walk. So the parent's dragging them along and the kid's like, oh, I'm tired. I'm hot. And some places are narrowish, and there's enough people that you're kind of like, you get a big flow of traffic coming this way and a big flow going that way. And you're stuck behind them. And I want to pick up the kid and shove him in the stroller and say, that's why you brought the stupid stroller. Shut the kid up or something, and they just drove. They were everywhere as well. It was yeah. like everywhere. It was like every time you turned around, there was some parent yelling at their kid, barking at their kid, bribing their child to get up off the ground, trying to say, "We'll get you this. We'll get you a root beer. We'll get you some ice cream. Just come on, come on, come on." I mean, everywhere I looked, that I actually thought when I looked at the site when they said pets are welcome, I'm like, "Oh great, there're gonna be dogs everywhere." The dogs were awesome. They were all kind of like mesmerized. I saw many big dogs. Like, I guess people, maybe they picked dogs that might have been popular then. Like big, big, like Marmaduke dogs or Scooby-Doo dogs all over the place. Yeah. Great Danes. Danes. And they were fine. And I think they were just like, going, holy shit, what's all this action? You know, like they were, you know, you never heard any dogs barking or running around. But the children and the parents were the nightmare for me. My mother had a turkey leg. I did not. I stuck to the no meat thing, of course. And I had a um, fried dill pickle. I had to try that. I've never tried that. And it was really good. It had like this thin crust. And it wasn't greasy. It was just like really fast. It was just dill pickle with a bit of a crispy crunch on it. It was really good. That's a nightmare for me. I and hate this. Yes, you do. And a bottle of Icy, which always looks lovely. Everyone walking around with plastic bottles. I mean, they do have recycle bins everywhere for your plastic bottles. So that's good. Um, or recycle burlap bags, of course. Not, nice. not Not bins, but big burlap bags. And then we had, we ordered cheesecake on a stick. Because my nephew was like, oh yeah, he loves cheesecake. And the girl goes, well, it's not on a stick anymore. Is that okay? 
And the sign is like this big oldish looking sign that says, you know, cheesecake on a stick. Like that's the selling point. And I'm like, we looked at each other like, yeah, that's fine. She goes, yeah, they just don't send it on a stick anymore. We don't know why. And she just handed us our two little plates and, <laughs> and like, no explanation. So, like, really, they need to cross out the yeah, on the stick part. Yeah, but that's, like, <laughs> that's the hook, isn't it? Like, oh, cheesecake on a stick. What's that? And it was good. It was just frozen, real cheesecake kind of thing, you know. But it was good. And and if you had a stuffed pretzel, my niece got herself a grilled cheese portobello sandwich. She highly recommended it to me. I got it, but I'm telling you, it just was kind of gross because... Slime. When I was standing out, no, no, not at all. When I was standing in front of the place, smoke oh, was yeah. rolling out of the windows, like the grill was too hot or something, and it tasted ugh, like it had just been. No, it wasn't burned at all. It was just tasted so smoked smoke. up. It was gross. I, took, I, hate that I literally took the corner bite, you know, because I cut it in half. I bit the corners off, got a little bit of the mushroom, which was it was fine, but it just. And then I had that smoky taste in my mouth even, and I had to throw it away. Cause Some it people love that. Yeah, she said hers was really good, and she got hers about a half an hour before me, so who knows? Maybe they had some kind of fire going on or something, but that was the food tale. And we watched the musician, and we watched the fire dancers, which I love so much. I really, I'm hypnotized by them. Unfortunately, the CD they were selling was the same CD. They're a drumming troupe, you know? Like for belly dancing and fire dancing, and I really love it. I have it on my Zune. But they were selling the same one as they did last year, so. Um, generally, just walking around, we all bought, I bought him a hat, because he liked the Renaissance kind of short-style chef hat, you know, kind of a beret-ish looking thing, and a scabbard for his wooden uh, dagger that, that we got, it? yeah. And my mom bought her a jingly belly dancer skirt scarf thing. My niece got herself a pendant as some sort of spiritual power thing on it. I don't know. I bought myself a metal butterfly that you stick like in a plant. And some wrist warmers to wear to work. Like hand woven wrist warmers. Because at work I get freezing bowl. I bought you another ceramic bowl. Last time I bought you the ceramic bowl that had like the... It's not very big. Yeah, but it's little. Like a one serving. It's got like the big bowl at the bottom and then a little thing stuck on top for your salsa or dip. Because you eat that. But then on the other days, you eat just chips. So I got you just the, like a soup bowl with the... Sun chip bowl. Yeah, sun chip. <laughs> sun chip bowl and a salsa bowl. And, <laughs> you know, I paid for the tickets because mom paid for them last year. And my niece had... We went to Walgreens and got two of them, which meant we got like $3 off each, which made them only 15 each. Then she had to buy one, get one free that her friend got stuck on her door by somebody. Forget what the promotion was. But so then we bought that. So, you know... I feel like we. I think we t- all together I might have spent one hundred and ten dollars all together, and I bought you know different things. We bought coffee before we went on our way, and you know stuff like that. I feel like that's a really good day. I mean, it was a really nice day. We spent the whole day there. You know, it's fun to watch somebody who's never been there before, which was my nephew, and he's sort of he's into the sword fighting. Watched some sword fighting stuff. We watched them bring these little kids in this little arena thing where the guy was trying to teach him to be like. Whoa! And the one little kid on the end was like, he didn't respond to anything at all. He just stood there holding this wooden thing the whole time. And then when the dude started to do their little acting thing with them, the little kid's face started to tremble and he just started crying. But it was like silent crying. 
but tears were streaming and his mouth was oh. all shaking and I was just like, oh, somebody get him. I mean, even the mother didn't step in to get him. She just left him standing there like he was terrified. And it was funny and horrible at the same time. Oh. <laughs> that was one of the most memorable things. Oh. We didn't watch the jousting thing this time because it doesn't really do it for me. You know, the dudes on the horses play acting, the jousting. Um, costumes looked really good all over the place. I feel like if you think it's too expensive, don't go. Because the whole idea is a very specialized place. You're not there to ride Mickey Mouse rides or to play fair games at your local state fair. It's the Renaissance Festival. That's not what kids think. What do you mean? I know, don't take them. Right. Because the games are expensive, the drinks are expensive. Mom and I each had a beer and it was $10, you know, for two beers. So, but then you go, I don't have to buy them. I'm here for the day, for the experience, where everything we bought was something new and different we hadn't tried or I seen I still hate before. that ca- captive audience, so we charge Yeah, but you're not captive. More. You don't have to go there. No, if you are there. And you I know, but you don't have to go there. Well, say you go and you are soda. Well, like at the cinema. You go yeah. and you are soda. There's nowhere else to get the soda, so the soda's $5. Right, but you don't have to have the soda. You don't, but if you're thirsty and you need a drink. It's captive audience, isn't it? It's like, I really do need a soda. I disagree. You're not captive at all. You didn't have to go to begin with. Well, you are once you're there, is all I'm getting at. Right, but if you go and you spend the day roaming around and not buying anything, then why are you there? I wanted to support it as well. I don't want it to fade away. I don't want them to go, oh my god, this year we made 80% less than we did last year. we got to cancel it. Because I feel like it's... A, even though I'm not a totally Renaissance Fair person, I feel like there are enough people who deserve to have that. You know, just like a sporting arena, they get millions and millions and millions of dollars because a bunch of dickheads love to go watch football. Right. American football. No offense to anyone who likes football. You're not a dickhead. I'm just saying, why is that so... Like, yeah, obviously... Obviously, I'm going to pay $6 for a hot dog at a football game because it's football. But I'm going to Renaissance Fair and spend $2 on a bottle of water, which is the same as I would spend if I went to Casey's. But I'm complaining because, oh, it's the Renaissance Festival. Why is it so expensive? Just don't go. You know? That's my theory. And if you do go, enjoy it. Don't stand in front of me and slow me down. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Step aside, people. I got places to go. It's a little confusing when you're there, too. It's kind of all mingled up. It's not just a straight up and down. It's like a whole village on a hillside, and it's kind of the paths go different directions. So when you're looking at the map, it's kind of hard to decipher right. where you need to go or, you know. So that was part of our thing was looking for stuff a lot. But I think if you went a couple times, you'd figure it out. All right. That was a good time. To be honest, the Indian was my biggest best memory. Staying at my niece's house was awesome because I love being guested or seeing her new house and um, taking my nephew for the first time and knowing that my mother really enjoys it. She just finds it so. She got her. Oh, my mother had her astrology chart done by some dude and he took an hour and basically told her that he's she's at a time in her life when she should start saying no to people. It would make her make her something about her life. I'm like, is that it? That's and she's like, well, that's pretty much it. And then he was telling me about the healing power of this other thing he does. And I'm like, so he's trying to sell you something. Oh, no, no, no. Of course. And I'm is. like, did he present you with a DVD or a book of any mm-hmm. kind? She didn't. She said no, but I'm a little suspicious. So that was kind of funny. But it's good time. Good times. All right. So uh, th- thank- that was perfect because we're on uh, an hour and 30 minutes. So uh, thanks okay. for listening to the show. And a reminder about the website, sayschoolie.com, sitar.com. You can catch us both Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, 
anywhere on the internet you can find us. Um, you can also catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the uh, iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. Go to ascully.com, A-S-C-U-L-L-Y.com. Click on the word podcast in the top left-hand corner, and you can listen to the podcast on the page, on your cell phone, wherever you are, um, or subscribe to it. Uh, you can email feedback to me at ascully, ascully.com. Sid Talk doesn't have an email address. She uh, doesn't use the electronic mail. I don't exist on the internet. No. <laughs> you can send an electronic mail yes. to me. Um, and you can... Uh, uh, yeah, um, The Exorcist is a classy movie. Correct. I have to say. So uh, stay classy, The Exorcist. Um, and Linda Blair. You s- stay classy, Father Dyer. Yes. <laughs> is that what he was called? The last guy. No, the guy who lived. Uh, don't, 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 no. Alright, so um, yes. So, uh, <laughs> next week we have a uh, splice on Blu ray, and uh, and I'm gonna say, think for yourself, people. If you like Renaissance stuff, just go for it. Who cares if anybody makes fun of you? And uh, think for yourself, or someone will do it for you.